All right, we're going to get started. Bless you all. Thank you, Lord. You remember the verse where Jesus said, if you've done it to the least of these, my brethren, you've done it to me. It's referring to not only the good and the wrong, that, but the wrong that we do toward one another, that, that if we love God, we'll love his children. That's why as a parent, when you find somebody that loves your kids, you, you, have, you, gain, you gain a whole different sense of esteem for that person. It's like, uh, wow, I, I didn't even know how much I liked you. I don't even know why I like you. Well, because that person likes your kids. And when they like your kids, you know that that's the evidence that they like you. So look around the room. These are the people you're going to spend eternity with. These are the people. Our love towards them is what manifests our love towards the Father. So we're going to take this moment, not only bless the Lord, but bless one another. Maybe you don't, you don't have to go around and actually talk to everybody, but... But in your heart right now, just determine, Father, this is the family of God. These are the people that we will spend eternity with. Lord, I bless them. And by that, by that same measurement, you know, they, our love for one another is the litmus test of our love towards God. And that's what John talked about. He said, you know, it's easy to say I love God whom you've never seen. But how can you love God whom you've never seen if you don't love your brother whom you have seen? So, Father, we want to say we love you and we want to love the people and we want to love you more. And so, Lord, we give you permission, Holy Spirit, to continue to bring us up to that place where we love the children of God. So that when we say we love you, Lord, that it'll be significant and meaningful. So, Lord, bless our brothers and sisters today. Bless the ones that are struggling. Bless the ones that are hurting today. Bless the ones, Father, who are discouraged. Bless the ones who are without hope. Father, bless the ones who are in their homes today and still trying to make their way here this morning. Father, we ask in the name of Jesus, Father, that your presence that your life, God, would touch them in the place of their pain. And for those that are sick today, Lord, we intercede for them. Let's, let's just pray. There are some sick. I just heard that illnesses. Well, we bless them right now. Everyone that's sick, Father, we say, be our healer, we pray. Lord, we contend for healing. We contend for the manifestation of your presence in our midst. Lord, like Israel that walked through the wilderness, Lord, there was no barren and no one had so much as a hemorrhoid amongst them because your presence was in the midst of them. God, we long, we long, we long to see the manifestation of your presence in this way in our midst. Father, so as we worship today, we're not only lauding God, we're not only lifting up his name, but we're drawing near to him because we're saying, God, we want to be where you are. We want every encumbrance, every barrier, 
out of the way. Father, we want to push through every obstacle that would keep us from seeing your face, from experiencing the reality that you live and that you never change. Can you say amen? All right, let's worship him. Okay, we've got a decision to make here. There's a tone of celebration that we can enter into or we don't enter into. It's up to us. It's up to us. All of us. And uh, who wants to celebrate? Uh, I mean, that's not a demand. Okay. Then you need, we need to celebrate. If we're going to do this, we're going to do this full-heartedly. I was actually going to share because I didn't feel like you were ready. But now that I get up here, I feel a readiness. So nobody's making you do this. But out of the abundance of your heart, I want us to declare joy to the world. And I'm going to tell you afterwards why we need to do that. So let's do that. Lord, we declare to you today joy to the world. Because the Lord has come, you are the desire of all nations. And we say, great is your name. Let's just pause right there for a second. This, this here is the manifestation of faith. Out of the darkness, our song. It's easy to do it in the light, but God is saying, can you do it in the dark? Can you prophesy about the light in the dark? In the day of barrenness, can you talk about the rain? Can you look forward? Can you live like there is another existence, another reality? In the dark, can you sing of the light? Not reluctantly, not hopingly, not looking backward, but saying no. Right around the corner. Right around the corner. Right around the corner. Right now. Father, we pray today. For a manifestation of faith in our lives, Lord. That in the midst, in the midst of every trial, in the midst of every challenge, in the midst of every bit of barrenness, in the midst of even not experiencing healing, we can say, you are the God that heals. Out of the darkness we will sing. Out of the darkness we will sing. In Isaac Watts' song, I, I never really understood that, that final verse, but he, it says something to the effect he calls the nations to prove. Calls the nations to prove. He says he rules the world with truth and grace and calls the world to prove, to manifest, to make clear, to declare, to say, this is who God is in righteousness, in joy, in triumphant power. How do, who, is, who is proving it? The nations, the nations. Who is proving it? We, the people. You, your joy, your life, your faith declares that no, no, no. I believe God is. I believe God is this. And your life's, your celebration, your faith says who you believe he is. So, Father, we pray that you would mature our capacity to prove your love. 
to prove your grace, to prove your glory to the nations, to principalities and powers, spiritual wickedness in high places. In Jesus' name. Now, if you wonder what the what the whole reason for all the struggle of your life, God could get you saved and then whip you off to heaven. God could get you saved, but now he's trying to say, listen, can you believe the light in the dark? Yes, let's enter into that with your faith. There's a song going to stir, but I don't want you to stay on the song only. Pull out of your spirit, I believe. Concerning the circumstances of my life right now. We declare there has never been a brighter day. We believe and we declare God the same yesterday, today, and forever. There has never been a brighter day. Listen, this is what God is trying to do in your life. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And he's saying, listen, I've called you to be the light of the world. I've called you to be the source of encouragement. I've, I've called you the source to be that positive energy where you live, that hopefulness, that gratitude, that, that thankfulness, that strength. In the midst of darkness, you can be the light. You your voice, your sound, your faith is the catalyst that caused others to believe that what's impossible is suddenly possible. You know, there's a promise that says that we will shine like the sun. His children will shine like the sun. Do you know how that's going to happen? Is God is imparting to you. He's saying, listen. I, I am I am establishing that light in you right now. Can you be the light in the darkness? Or as soon as there's darkness, do you align and succumb to the darkness? As soon as that somebody else isn't shining a light for you, can you be that light? You're called to be the light of the world. And as much as you're sharing that light of the world, as much as you've received the impartation of that light, you become that light. And then to that degree, you will shine like the sun. So, Father, we, we will not shy away. We will not shy away from what you're doing in us, Lord. We will not just celebrate the light that it's in others, Lord. We choose today to be the light. In Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share about this because I, I feel like uh, there's some wisdom and some clarity in the Spirit around this journey. Have you ever had somebody say to you, uh, what are you smiling about? 
my wonderful wife, she's not here. She was, oh, there she is, okay. She, uh, when we first uh, were dating and engaged, she worked in a drugstore on 107th Avenue, right close to the rat hole there. The rat hole is not there anymore. Those of you that are older will remember that at 109th Street. There's a tunnel that went under the, uh, the bridge. Anyway, we lived there, and her boss said to her one day, he said, don't smile so much. People think you're simple. <laughs> and, and, and the tone of that is, is sort of in keeping with what, what makes you so happy. In other words, you don't have a reason to be happy. And if you're happy all the time, there must be something wrong with your head. Because nobody has a reason to be this happy. Hallelujah. Are we guilty of that yet? Are we guilty yet that the people in the world will either think that we are simple or things are going really good? I mean, these are the, these are the choices we're trying to offer the world, right? But how do you get to that place? Because uh, I, I know I talked to a few people today. And, uh, you know, there's darkness all around. But here's the, what faith says is not that there isn't going to be darkness, but can you be the light? Can you be happy when there's no good reason to be happy? When all there is is darkness around, can you, are you the spark? Are you the big lighter? Are you the illuminator of this world? Can you provide a reason for hope and for joy? Can you, can you create that atmosphere? Or, or are we saying, you know, I know a guy you should hang with. The guy that makes me happy. Jesus, you know, when he was discipling his disciples, he said, listen, I am the light of the world, but my intention is if you will follow me and do what I do, you will be the light of your world. And then one day, Peter stands up and 3,000 are saved just like that in one day. He's saying, listen, the effect that I can have, you can have. The substance that I'm made of, you can be made of. It's, and as Christians... We've been told for decades, for generations, that it's just enough to celebrate the fact that Jesus was the light, and yet becoming a disciple is becoming like Jesus. And what the Bible is really saying to us is that it's not enough for you to just sentimentally celebrate that there was a man named Jesus, and he was the Son of God, and he's coming back again. Now, there is some hope in that. But this hope that we're called and charged with to, to reflect and to manifest to the earth is something more significant than that. It needs to be real in who I am. So, what makes you so happy? What do you got to celebrate about? Now... I was thinking of a couple of passages. Let me see if I can remember where they are. Well, the first one I'll, I'll share is this. It is, it is from, I'm not going to turn to it, but it's from Ephesians. And uh, when Paul is talking about our salvation, it says, he says there, we are seated in heavenly places. We are seated in heavenly places. 
And, uh, you know, that's kind of a mystery. And sometimes we think about that. I don't know if you think about that, but I think about it. I think, man, that's, I don't know if I feel that all the time. I mean, I'm not going to argue with Jesus. I'm not going to argue with the Word of God. Um, you know, the Apostle John, he must have known what he was talking about. But, uh, um, I mean, the Apostle Paul, but what does that mean? And there's another one, sort of, I, I, I sort of saw a connection between it this morning. It's 1 John 4. It's verse 17. It says this, Love has been perfected, us, uh, perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. As he is, so are we in this world. Now, I don't know about you, but <clears throat> sometimes I don't feel like Jesus all the time. Sometimes I, uh, I struggle. Sometimes I'm discouraged. Sometimes, you know, when there's no money in the bank and bills are piling up and then, you know, the water pump just went on the van and and, and on and on it goes, you know, it's just, uh, or the battery, you know, <laughs> the battery, getting my oil changed, like I kind of don't even like paying the 50 bucks for the oil change, and then while I'm at the oil change, my battery dies, cost me another 200, right, Ben? You know, sometimes the circumstances of life tell you you don't have anything to celebrate about. And yet there is this other reality the Bible tells us about that we are seated in heavenly places. He said, listen, as he is now, so are you in this world, that you have the capacity to participate in a life, in an existence, in a reality that is not equal to the reality that surrounds you. And so... We are surrounded by this darkness, by this present age, by the circumstances. And, and the world around us is looking at us. And, and when, when you celebrate and you've got no good reason to celebrate, they're thinking, okay, this is contrary. This is unhuman, inhuman. This is not normal. This is not natural. And that's what gives you the right to begin to share that you actually don't live here. Somebody's just telling me about Larry Norman's old album, I'm, I'm Just Visiting or something like that? I don't... I'm Just Visiting This Planet. I mean, does, let me ask you, does your life reflect? That's what it means to be a witness. Be a witness and ambassador is you're representing another culture, another reality, another kingdom, another government. And so you are able to be in one place like it is not, but like that other place that you're from. And the, the test is... How much can you be that? How affected are you by the world around you? How quickly do you align to the world around you? How quickly do you, you know, does the darkness, you know, cause you to be sitting in the dark? Well, here's what happens. When you get born again, God gives you people that are light to you, that are encouragement, that are, they, they come and when you're, you know, you, you kind of forget. Last week we talked about the... Uh, uh, the concept of the principle of permanence, how children, when they when they uh, can't see their mom, they don't know mom still exists, so they cry. They're immediately traumatized by the absence of mom. So mom has to come back and, oh, I'm there. And I shared all that peekaboo thing and why that's so fun for kids. Well, spiritually, that's the reality. You get born again, 
And, uh, and somebody else is providing for you the assurance that you're not alone, that God is there. But there comes a time when God wants to wean you from that and say, can you believe? Can you believe without, without outside help? And so God has this way of separating you from the help. Not that there isn't help not far away, but he has to create, incubate you in this, this world where you have to begin to bear the weight of the darkness yourself and, and, and say, no, I, I believe, I, I believe. After three hours, I, I believe, I, uh, help! And then God sends somebody and says, you know what, God's with you. You know, God loves you. Do you know that, that, that the, you know, and, and as they're sharing, something inside begins to happen. You get encouraged. You gain courage. You gain the capacity to stand, to believe what that person is saying. What they're actually doing is they're taking of the reality that is in heaven that they are continuously, more continuously than you, in touch with, and they're pushing it in your direction, and you're getting infected by that positive, you know, yeah, oh, yeah, 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 God is, God is, it's true. And they say, well, look what God did here, and look what God did here, look what God, yeah, you're right, I don't, I don't know why I doubted. I don't know why I aligned with this world. I don't know why I began to believe that the darkness was permanent and real and more substantial than the light. Faith is the ability to hold on to the reality of heaven while being surrounded by earth. Faith doesn't abolish the earth. Faith doesn't remove the conditions of the earth. Faith doesn't suspend immediately all the principles that are natural. It says, can you believe this even though there's darkness all around? Can you believe it? Now, there's nothing wrong with, with being a spiritually mature where we need others. But the whole idea, you know, and we're struggling with this even within our culture where, where parents aren't being taught these days how to make their kids independent. You know, I just read another article here the other day where, where kids are not even being made to do any chores because, you know, that's too traumatic or something. And so, you know, and I'm just thinking, what are these kids going to do when they have to get a job? You know, they're going to be living at home at 35, and mom's still going to be doing their dishes and, and doing their laundry and cooking their food for them. So, you know, we, we have this objective as parents that we want to actually create within our children the capacity to do the things that we do. Spiritually, that's what God is saying. So listen, I want to build in you the same assurance of the invisible things as what I have. That's what he said. As he is now, so are we in this world. As he is now. As he is now. Well, how is he now? As Jesus is now. Well, he is seated in heavenly places. He is surrounded by, uh, you know, the myriads of angels and worshiping and, and the, the glory of heaven and the Father. And, and uh, you know, he's, you know, they're... The things of earth don't even bother. They, the, that kind of darkness doesn't even begin to penetrate. Discouragement? Discouragement? What is that? Now, let me tell you. I remember when God was beginning to introduce me 
to this idea, you need to be the light. And I was not having a very good time. It was hard. I was dying all around. And I was wondering, and I was like, you know, what's going on? What's happening? Why is this? You know, and I wasn't getting any joy out of anything. I wasn't getting, I read the scriptures. I wasn't getting anything. I go and sing the songs. I dance. I, all the things that made me happy before were not cutting it. And uh, I, I lost all of, all of that experience of those things. And Suddenly, I was in this place where uh, I believed, but I couldn't live like it was true. Everything was bland. Everything was flat. Everything, everything that was going on. And what I didn't realize was that God had put me in a place. Well, lo and behold, Reinhard Bunke. Ever heard of Reinhard Bunke, the evangelist? He comes to... Uh, he comes to Christ for the nations and speaks. And uh, when he comes, he, you know, he's a fiery evangelist, right? And, and at that time, I'm, I'm talking about, you know, the, well, this, this is just warfare. And it's, you know, it's hard and it's difficult. And, you know, I'm wrestling with demonic powers and trying to break through in prayer. And it's just hard. It's hard. It's difficult. It didn't used to be this difficult. Why? Because now God is training you. Before you were, you know, five rows in and others were doing all the work for you. And anyway, he's up there, and he's talking, and he's, he's trying to encourage us. And, he's, and he says this. He says, what is this about demons? Christians being bothered by demons. Christians being bothered by darkness. And I thought, what are you, what are you getting at here? And I was starting to get a little annoyed at him. And he says, he says, he says, okay, I guess there are demons, but can a fly land on a hot stove? I mean, I was, I was mad. Because I thought, you're belittling my struggle. <laughs> he wasn't belittling my struggle. He didn't even know what my struggle was. But he was saying, listen, listen, there is a reality in heaven that's constant, that never changes. The God that you serve is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And what this journey is about is you being continuously in touch with that. Because your spirit is made to connect with God. You are one spirit with God. And within that connection with God, there's information constantly coming down to you. There is, there is a knowledge of who he is and how he reigns and what frustrates him. Nothing. That is constantly available. But you have this other input, this sensory input connected to this world. And it's telling you what is and what is not. And it's, you know, we're not Christian scientists where we just say, well, this doesn't exist. And if I just think it hard enough, it'll be true. Ah, denial, denial, denial. That's not what we're doing. We're overriding one reality with another reality. They are both real. It's just that one is temporary and one is permanent. And it's the permanence of that thing that never changes that makes it sure. And so God is saying, listen, I am trying to connect you with the permanence of heaven, the permanence of who I am, the permanence of what I put inside of you. But you are being affected by the temporary darkness of what's around you. 
And I'm the one that has allowed you to feel the weight of this darkness to see how connected to the light you really are. Because at some point, at some point, you need to start saying, hey, wait a minute, what do I believe? Because I got all this informational inputs, and I thought, actually, these aren't helping. And what you're starting to do in the journey, you're starting to cut them off. You're starting to cut them off because you're actually beginning to believe these aren't trustworthy. Actually, these don't help me. But if you believe them, if you believe when there's darkness all around, there's darkness all around. You can't pretend. And that's, this is the, 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 the no man's land that the church lives in. It's, it's like two realities. We're not really in either of them. We're stuck in between and we're waiting for that one to materialize. And God is saying, listen, that is not what it means to be a son of the kingdom of God. The son of the kingdom of God has the universe of God at, the, at his fingertips because it's in him. It's in him. It's in you. It's in you. It's in you. But you're only connected to it by your spirit. Everything else, you can, with your body, you're connected. Let me tell you, I feel cold. That's why I'm wearing a sweater today. Because I get cold. Because this world is real. And we're not separating ourselves from this world. We are in touch with this world. And our emotions... Our belief systems are in touch with this world. So God is trying to get us to believe something else. So let me turn to another passage of Scripture. Um, it's very interesting. Second Peter chapter 3. Now, Peter is writing about the challenges, and he says particularly that these challenges will will continue and will increase. He says, uh, he said, Beloved, I now write to you this second epistle. In other words, I wrote before. I guess it wasn't enough. In both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder. Oh, isn't that nice? Your pure minds. I love that. He's so positive, eh? Uh, you have pure minds. So he's saying, listen, I'm trying to reconnect you. I'm trying to get you to, to begin to connect with one reality and ignore the other one. So, pure, stirring up your pure minds, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this, the scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts, and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they willingly forget that by the word of God, the heavens were of old. And the earth standing out of the water and in the water, by which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water. But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until that day of judgment and perdition of godly men. I never understood, and it just got even clearer now, why he 
reference those things about the creation. And what he's saying is, listen, there is two things you can believe. You can believe in discouragement that, hey, nothing changes. You just struggle, and then you struggle more, and you struggle more, and then you struggle more. And he, and he said, there are men that are going to come, and they're going to, they're you know, sort of fan the flames of that unbelief and tell you, listen, your faith is empty and hopeless. And he said, but they willingly forget that it's the earth that is temporary. That's what all those scriptures are about. He said, well, they willingly forget that it's the earth that's temporary. What the problem is here, everything that you think is continuous and unchanging are the variables that change, and only faith will convince you of that. Because they're saying, listen, nothing changes the earth. Every day is the same. You guys keep talking about this promise and holding to this reality. It's not going to come. Just, you know, throw it all off. And he's saying, he's saying no. He said, he said, listen, and this is the essence of faith. No, the earth is temporary. The material world is temporary. The material world is made up of the things which cannot be seen. And that's what faith does. Faith connects with which can, that thing that cannot be seen. Unbelief is really natural thinking, connects with what's right in front of you. The darkness is there. Oh, I believe in the darkness. So here's the, the, the question, because not only, that goes, doesn't this, not only does this apply to the essence of your faith, you know, uh, about heaven and resurrection and all the rest of that, but what about the promises that God has given you? How many of you here have a sense that God has promised you things that have not yet come to pass? Anybody have some of those things? All right. How many of you have contended for, you don't have to put up your hands, I'm just, you know, throwing these things out. How many of you have persevered, leaned into those things, pursued those things, and they have been delayed and delayed and delayed, and sometimes they've been delayed to the point where you wonder, is it even true? Should I even contend for this promise? Is this a reality? You know, I, 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 people have been talking about a great revival from the day I got born again. And, you know, still not here. Ben? Still not here. A great revival. Is there, you know what? If I look at the natural, I can begin to think, you know, I don't know, man. The darkness is pretty thick. There's darkness all around. Can I still believe there has been never been a brighter day? How do you do that? How do you do that day after day after day after day? When the battery goes and the kids are sick, and I got demoted at job at work, or I lost my job, or, or you know, and on and on it goes. How do you believe what you cannot see when all that you see says the opposite? Do you want to know? See. See. Seeing is believing. 
but we're talking about seeing with the eye of faith. See, what worship is, worship is not just a time for somebody to present something glorious so you can bask in that and be reminded. You know, if that's what, where you're at, then great. That's what you get from it, and that's what you need. But it, it's meant to actually, what if the truth that is in those songs and being sung with the confidence others are singing it, what if that could be experienced? What if that could affect your emotions? What if that could affect your, your, your optimism about tomorrow? What if actually it can become so real, it's like it's right there right now? What if? Well, that's what happens. That's what actually happens. I, and again, I, you can read my book on interpreting the prophetic. But when I had these promises about what God has called me to do in the nation, some of which I've begun to be able to do. But I remember going and having five little kids and going to the, the mailbox and there being no money there and not having any income and, 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 and thinking, oh, man, I got this and this and this and this and this and this. And the reality of the world around me, the darkness that's all around me, is saying, give up. It's not even real. It's never going to happen. How long have you been waiting? Five years already? You know, Abraham waited 25. Five years. And you know what I did? I had discovered, and I didn't know what I was doing. I discovered that, you know, that thing we had started to do in church that I'd watch others do, I actually started to do that in my car by myself. I was entering the place where those things which are not seen were more real than the things which were seen. Well, how did you do that? Well, I started by, because I didn't, couldn't do anything else, I just started praying in tongues. Just praying in tongues. Ugh. Because if I... The darkness was so great, I would just faint right there. I'd just give up. say, forget about it. I'm done. I'm going to go get a crappy job at McDonald's because I got no training. But I knew I couldn't do that because the promise was too real to just throw it off. On the other hand, if I just stay right where I am with the circumstances, I would faint. I would die. And what I'd do is I'd pray and I'd, I'd actually begin to lean into God until, until that promise became so clear to me, it was like the first day I'd received it. Have you ever gotten a prophetic word from somebody? Anybody ever got a prophetic word? I don't know what you experienced, but when, I, when a prophet lays hands on me and gives me a prophetic word... I feel, first of all, I feel special to God. I feel like God cares about me. I feel like God knows my life. I feel like the trajectory of my life is somewhat planned instead of random. And I feel like, man, there's, there's a reality that God intends that I'm not aware of. But then when the specifics of the promise come, I just, there's a confidence in it. When you hear that, oh, yeah. I'm going to, what? Yeah, I'm gonna, that's, that's great. And you feel, it, it's so real in that moment. You know why it's real? Because the prophet in that moment is the representation of the thing you cannot see. In that moment, it's the faith of the prophet that's providing you a glimpse of what you cannot see. That's what grace through vessels. And that's why God chooses pastors, leaders, different people in your life to, to provide, to show you what you can't see. But the plan is, what if you could go to that thing every day? What if you didn't need another prophet 
to come and tell you. You know, still world, it's still real. You're still special. God loves you. And when you're a young baby, like babies, you, you have to be told every day. But eventually, you know, it sort of sticks, right? No, I, I, I believe I'm loved. I believe God is. I believe, I believe. And then God says, okay, that's great. You're starting to believe. I love that. Now I'm going to take away some of the helps. I'm going to take away, you know, the faith that others, the light that they're adding to you and see how well-rooted now is this. Do you believe this by yourself? And then he begins a series of challenges to see. And, he, and only you don't know that nobody else can help you right now. But he's suspending their light to see if, can you believe, can you believe, can you believe? Because at some point, you have to choose to hold on to that thing. And that's where that thing is solidified. When, all, when there's darkness all around, and you remember. So he says, I'm stirring up your minds, your pure minds, in order to remember. I'm helping you remember, but you can remember by yourself. You know, when discouragement comes in like a shadow, like a big, says this and oh, this is going to happen, this is terrible, why does it always happen to you? And yeah, why does it always happen to me? There's promises, there's tons of things God has done, and you choose in that moment to remember or not remember. What you rehearse, what you set your mind on, what you decide is worth giving yourself to in that moment is what you end up with. That's why he says in Philippians, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are a good report, whatsoever things are, and there's a list there, set your mind on these. Well, you know, why don't we, why don't we just wait? I mean, one day we're all going to die, right? And, it's, you know, we're just going to either go to heaven or not go to heaven. Let me tell you, it's more complicated than that. It's, it's not just about going to heaven or not going to heaven. Now, if you are going to go to heaven, which I assume you all are, anybody? Anybody going to heaven here? Yeah. I mean, that's a part of the confidence that he talks about in 1 John 4, 17, right? In order that we might have boldness. Well, where do you get that boldness? As he is now, so are you in this world. How do you get that confidence? By these things. That the apostles were reminding and stirring and setting before them. Set your mind on these things, and that sense that others have will become yours. Oh, I just thought they were better pretenders than me. No, they, they actually believe. They see. They experience. Well, when you say experience, do you mean like the room disappears? And, no, no, no. That might happen for somebody. That doesn't happen for me. But my spirit, my spirit, I've built up my spirit. I've trained my spirit. I've prayed in tongues. I've made those choices. I've worshipped when, when, when frustration would have had me curse God. I worshiped instead, choosing that the circumstances were trying to lie to me and that God was true and every man a liar. And what happened is in my life, I began down that hard road of proving that this is the God that I serve. 
improving. Well, what evidence in your life do you have? Well, actually, I'm starting to have some evidences now. You know, some things have started to go better for us in some ways. Well, how long does that take? Because I'm tired already. A year, two years, three years, four years, five years, six years, ten years, twenty years, a lifetime. Because God is imparting to you not just the possibility of a future, but a future possible now. He's imparting to you the ability to live in the future, to experience the future, to have the assurance of your future right now through your spirit. That's what your spirit does. Your spirit connects with God in a timeless fashion and tells you what is true according to God. So, just like you, I was once in a congregation where Reinhard Bonnke told me, you know, I don't think he was doing it personally to me, but I took it personal. I thought, hey, you know nothing about my struggles. I knew nothing about his struggles. Actually, he knew everything about my struggles. But that was just another one of those things I couldn't see. <laughs> so I let myself be mad at him for a while. But then, you know, the guy's got a worldwide ministry and all these healings happening. It's hard to fault him. I wonder if he knows something about this thing that I don't. I wonder if there is an overcoming victory that God's trying to take me through. But it's so hard. It's so hard right now. How many of you felt that? It's so hard. It's so hard. You have not been abandoned. You are not being left alone. You are being trained to be the light. To be the light. To have it in you so that not only do you benefit from that boldness and that confidence, but then you are able to strengthen others all around. Let me read one last passage of scripture. And I'm hoping you see the flow of this because despite the fact that all these different passages were written by different people at different times, there is a continuous thread through this. And this continuous thread is realized by us because we serve a common God and his training for our lives is going to be at some, in some ways similar, certainly around the essence of faith. So if you go to Hebrews chapter 12, now Hebrews chapter 12 is this chapter that follows the faith chapter, where he talks about all the heroes of faith, all these great exploits that were done by faith. And you know what he gets into then? Next, he gets into discipline. The chastening of God. Why would God tell all these great things about people of faith and then talk about our being chastened? Because the former was produced by the latter in the lives of those people. That the same chastening that now we are part of, they were part of, and therefore were able to be the light in their generation. So he says a bunch of things about this chastening. He says, uh, 
My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him for whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. You know, here's, here's where you start, guys. If God is chastening you, you believe, you choose to believe, man, God must really love me. Look at how brutal he's being on me. You know, I remember as a young Christian, I, I felt like others were not being chastened the way I was. And I, I was saying, well, what, why, why, did, why, why did they get to get away with that? Not, why did that guy get away with You know, even when I started in ministry, I started doing other, what others were doing. It didn't work. And, God, and God's saying, yeah, they, no, 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 you can't do that. But, but they could do that. How come they're allowed and not me? And at first it was like I felt isolated. I felt dejected. I felt why is this happening? But now I think, well, just God really loves me. God really loves And God really loves all of us. But the question is, how much discipline can he bring to your life and you still believe it's love? Or do you begin to believe there's darkness all around? No, no, no. The chastening says there's never been a brighter day. That's what Bob Jones told me. He said, the greater the dealings, the greater the destiny. Embrace the dealings. Embrace the dying. Embrace the chastening. Embrace the rebuke. Embrace the scourging. That's what he defines it. Scourging. You know what scourging is? Scourging. Father scourges everyone. It's like, oh, thanks for that. But this is what he says. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten. But if you are without chastening, of which all have become, become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. So then he starts drawing analogies between natural chastening and spiritual chastening. But this, then he says this, and I'm, gonna, I'm about to close. Now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present. What do you think? But painful, nevertheless, at, Nevertheless, afterwards, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Righteousness is manifested in you through the chastening because the chastening cuts off all the inputs, the sensory inputs to this present age. There's a dying, there's a starving that happens because you haven't yet opened up the inputs fully from your spirit. And this is what he says after. He said, therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated but rather healed. Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord, looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up because uh, cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. Then he goes on to some other things around Esau, and he said, lest you become like Esau, because the reason Esau fell, because he did not he did not value his inheritance, and though, therefore he did not value the discipline that might come for him to inherit his inheritance. Well, what's interesting, he says, lift up the hands that hang down. 
And the joints that di take care, lest the joints that are dislocated will not be completely removed, but realigned. Realigned, realigned. We today, many of us in different ways, and I know all of your circumstances are different. For some it's financial, for some it's lifestyle, for some it's this, the delay of the promise, for some it's, it's like when does it end? When does it end? The war, the battle, eh? When, 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 when do, I, do we get some reprieve? Well, you gotta enjoy the little moments. The little moments. And for me, it was like just going to Tim Hortons having a coffee. It's like, yeah, okay, my life stinks, but I got a coffee. God, you are so good. This represents how good you are. I mean, that's what you do. You enjoy and you appreciate the little things. And you set your, your head, your vision, your face like a flint. I'm still going. I'm, I'm chasing the dream here. I'm pressing on. Evidently, discipline is needed. Something's got to be trained out of me. So I submit to what you're doing, God. Because I trust you. And I want to be part of what you promised. I want this to be a part of me. I don't want to just wait for it. I want to experience it now. As he is now, in, in, so are we in this world. That's the promise. Even just to say, Lord, I choose... To believe. You can do that here or you can do it right where you're sitting. But speak it with your heart. Say to God. You know the disciples. Uh, the three. Uh, uh, in the time of Daniel. When they were thro being thrown in. He said our God is able to deliver us. But if not. Let it be known to you. We will not bow. In other words. The proof of our God is not whether or not we're delivered. No he's real. And the proof of our God is that we will not bow. Now, God delivered him, them. But they didn't put up that up there as the, the guarantee for either their own faith or the faith of, of the king. You know, sometimes that's what we've done. Said, God, if you are real, you'll do this for me. Uh, I think we forget he is God. No, no, no. I'm real. It's up to you to line up with me, not me to line up with you. I will offer you a bone from time to time to help you because I know that's part of my nature and I'm good that way. But I will not be dictated to by unbelief. You can choose to believe. And so what we're saying today is God Though there's darkness all around, it's the evidence that there has never been a greater light. Because like Job, before I, I knew you according to the hearing of my ear, but now I'm going into something else far firmer. And that's what the trials do for you. They, that's what God separates you from. He separates you from unbelief through the discipline. He separates you from, from fear through the discipline. He kills something in you that is an impedance to you seeing him. And so I'm standing here today with you to say, God, there has never been a brighter day.